When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Yeah, you're missing the jams. <laughs> there you go. You're good now. That's more like it. Yeah, dude, you can't get into the show unless you listen to the jams yeah. up front. Yeah, the jams are hot. I mean, we did see you melt into the couch yeah. and get really comfortable and into it. Yeah. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and tell stories of high strangeness. As always, I'm your host, Michael McMillan, with me. Always is your other host Bryce Johnson and our super producer Riley Bray. Oh, you got um, you got oh, uh, up to a super I, I've producer. Gone from trusty to super. Yeah, That's awesome. I was thinging this weekend. I was like, you know what? He really Promotion. is a super producer. Let's super producer's got a nice ring to it. It does. Oh, thanks, it guys. Does. Um, by the way, speaking of super, before we bring in our guest, super producer Riley, I saw your doppelganger when I stopped to get coffee on the way here, and it. <laughs> freaked me the fuck out i almost took a picture really i should have taken a photo but i was walking into the starbucks and i was like what is riley doing here and why is he getting coffee because he knows i always bring coffee every weird session but he was dressed like you but like a little crazier he had like a stocking cap (laughs) on and like bright like purple glasses shorts all right i like but he he looked exactly like it freaked me out. You have an L.A. doppelganger out there. You know what's even weirder is that's the second time this week someone said that to me. Oh, Dude, wow. my, you... my drummer and my band said the same thing. There must be a new guy in town. <laughs> There's only room in this town for one. <laughs> well, the problem is, as we know from the show, if you see your doppelganger, the... that means you're going to die. Yeah, the so universe stay is away. supposed to collapse. Oh, shit. Oh, Jesus. Stay away from the coffee joint. Oh, just watch out. The coffee. I like that you call Starbucks the coffee joint. <laughs> <laughs> I try and, you know, cool it up a little bit. Um, today's guest is a good friend of mine, an old friend, uh, a really great actor. I'm like going down your IMDb, and Jesus, you've been in so much stuff uh i'm just looking at shows that people who uh shows and films that people on, on who listen to this might be into things like race to witch mountain z nation uh beauty and the beast uh rain scream the tv series jesus dude uh and currently starring in i'm sorry for true tv ladies and gentlemen please welcome to the show tom everett scott yay, yay. thanks Hi. for having me guys hey What's up? this is sweet Man, nothing much busy i'm just busy that's good <laughs> oh we love time. that i'm glad that you uh you're not too busy to come by here <laughs> yeah what are you doing and wait here? <laughs> for 19 minutes while bryce decides to show up <laughs> i read my email wrong <laughs> you didn't read it it's fine <sighs> yeah it's sorry a, about it's that a, no it's I was okay. tardy it's fine um 
Tom, how you doing, man? I'm great, thanks. Uh, no, this is wonderful. I'm really happy to be here. Um, I can't wait to get a coffee from uh, your doppelganger after this. It'll be, <laughs> yeah. it'll be great. It'll be exciting. It was super scary. Uh, we just found out, uh, speaking of weird connections. But, but I would still choose you, even if you look exactly Aww. like some yeah. other guy. I would choose you. Thanks, pal. Mm-hmm. I thought about taking a photo of him from a distance, like in the parking lot, to make it really look like a Bigfoot photograph. Right. But I was like, I, I can't. I can't do it. I can't be that much of a creep. Um, we just found out that you guys, uh, Bryce and Tom, know each other from playing poker way yeah, back, back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. Yep. I would say like almost 20 years ago. It's a while. It's been a while. 20, I would, yeah, I would say like 2001 and 2002. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That's when right. we moved out here and we started playing that game. Uh, but what a great backstory. We used oh to play poker God. together. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was a monster Tuesday night. <laughs> like yep. we, I looked forward to that Tuesday uh, as soon as it Same. ended, you know, and it was like we were just it was a mess of a game. But, God, it was a great time. We There would be hands that would go for like, well, oh, my God, like sometimes two, three, four, four hundred bucks. Yep. There Crazy. was a game I Whoa. think I introduced that was uh, epically long. Yeah. It would go until somebody ju- people just <laughs> there were a few deaths. Well, we it did, was like Lone Survivor games. Yeah, we did Dealers. It was choice, like the so Game of Thrones could... of poker games. Yeah. Like people, you never knew who was going to die that night. That'd be really upsetting. Totally, totally. <laughs> so that's how we know each other. I played. I played with you when we worked on Saved. We we played a couple games in Vancouver, and I remember doing really well. Because yep. I'm not really, you know, I I can play like a little Texas Hold'em, but I'm sure. not, I'm not great at this stuff. Um, as we learn, if for those of our we Patreon, should play cards with Michael. <laughs> for, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those Patreon listeners who uh, heard our conspiracy theory game from last week, no, I can't count. I can't keep track of numbers at all. I don't know. But uh, and I, I pretty, cheat. Yeah, so. you're a huge cheater. And I, I did like uh, I did pretty good. And then we played out here a couple times, and I remember just like. I got too high and lost like $300. I remember that. And I was like, I'll come again, but I'm just going to DJ if that's okay. It was the quickest. Like, I'll just DJ. I was like, oh, I no. can't afford to play. It was fun uh, to have you there, though. It was great. It was, it was good to be there. I was you guys like, like I can't EDM? Do this. <laughs> no shit. God. Uh, but anyway, well, it's good to have you in our clubhouse. It's great to be here. This is our Big Money Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Seriously. Tom, we like to ask all of our guests, what is your personal paranormal history? Oh, uh, well, I don't think I ever had any weird experiences personally until, strangely enough, Vancouver, when we were working together. It happens when you get my orbit, your world changes. Mm-hmm. I get, Is it your fault? It might be. Oh, okay. Well, we got to set, and uh, there was the, it was this location, this building uh, that uh, extras were being held down in the basement where the bathrooms uh, were. They, I was like, where's the restroom? They were like, it's down there. So I walked through extras holding down to this like men's room. Which location was this? This was, uh, we only used it once. And This wasn't the old hospital. It, no, because that that was the clearly haunted <laughs> yeah. place Good that we setting, went to. Yeah. It was like an old mental Mental hospital. institution. Yeah. It mm-hmm. looked like this gothic old which had a vibe and a feeling yeah. to it that place did. But yeah. this place, what I'm talking about, we it was like one of those places where we played paramedics on this show. Mm-hmm. And we, we went to go like save somebody or whatever. Yeah. And uh, they were shooting up on the third floor. I went down into the basement and used the bathroom. I went into the restroom and it was, it was empty. Uh, you had to walk past everything, all the stalls to get to the to the sinks. And I went in there and I'm in the sink and I'm, look, um, I'm washing my hands. And in the mirror, I see somebody walk in behind me. And then as I'm leaving... There's no one in there. Mm. And I'm so like, so someone came in here, but now they're not in here. 
and I didn't see them leave. Did you hear audible yeah. sounds? Could you hear their footsteps or them yeah. open the door? It was everything was like like a person walked in, should have been in there. They weren't. So then I went upstairs, and as soon as I appro- uh, approached set, I overheard somebody say, "Yeah, this place is haunted." You oh know, wow, that's the word. And like a chill went up the back of my neck, and I was like, oh, "I think I just saw." <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was that's kind of my only personal experience with it, that's but I'll never forget one. it. That's yeah. a good any good like you clearly see something and then it's gone is that's a legit initiation into the world of the paranormal I think or you're going crazy but that's good I that's mean That's possible. Not really. I'm not crazy. Yeah, no, I think you're good. <laughs> All right. Did that's you grow definitely a ghost? Now did you grow up like <laughs> believing in this stuff were you a skeptic like- i really did i really wa- no i wasn't a skeptic i think i grew up like with an imagination that was just like come on you know i grew up in this small town in massachusetts and i wanted weird crazy stuff to happen you know i, I needed something interesting to happen <laughs> yeah. it was a very small town <laughs> yeah yeah and you must i mean like massachusetts has like the whole like salem witch trial all yeah. that stuff so it feels like it's kind of hanging in the i feel like new england mm. in particular there's some ghosts there I mean, there's ghosts. I feel like there's ghosts. I could say the same those thing about the Midwest, but I feel like, yeah. yeah, those old, the old East Coast is like extra, extra spooky. Well, there was a house there that they said was haunted, you know, and it was like boarded up for years and was near the center of town. So most of those old homes, they're like from the 1600s, you know, and or 1700s, it's probably like 1700s. Yeah. And uh, for sure, that was the haunted house in town. Were you, did you grow up in like the suburbs, like Stranger Things style, or were you in some of those old, old places? My town, it's called East Bridgewater, and there's actually a rock in town where the pilgrims traded the Native Americans like blankets for the land. Oh, like, wow. And it's like commemorated by a plaque and Whoa. all that stuff. I thought um, you were going to say there was a rock where the devil appeared. <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Same exact thing. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't know if he did or not. But was there any, like, um, did you ever hear, so the haunted house, was there any, like, did you have any local, like, cryptid tales in your hometown? Was there, like, oh, this, this, there's, like, a lake monster, or there's, like, supposed to be? Mm-mm. No. Mm. No, none of that. I don't, I don't think so. We had, well, growing up in the Midwest, I grew up in Kansas, and there were, like, all these, maybe this was just in the 80s, during the, like, late 80s and early 90s, during the, like, height of satanic panic, but there was this place called Baines Crossing that was, like, out in the woods south of, like, south of my neighborhood. It's a pretty good name. A few years, yeah. Yeah. And everyone used to say that, like, all these, like, satanic rituals took place down at Baines Crossing, and they'd find, like, animal bones and stuff down there, and people would talk about, like, people getting murdered down there. Ooh. And it was super creepy. Yeah. And, like, everyone in the, like, all the bad kids in middle school or, like, all the, like, heavy metal rock people would always go down. They're like, check it out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to they feel it. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're just, they're just the bringing their old chicken bones down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, bring any bones yeah. that you might have. Bring them down. And I wonder, like, I mean, I just heard about this stuff through people like Dave Keith, one of my best friends who's been on the show, like, through those guys, you know, through him and his brother. And it was just, like, rumors that went through school. But I don't know if, any, like, I don't think it was ever in the newspaper. I don't know why this particular spot was so creepy and enticing but first of all the name Baines Crossing that just, sounds yeah. pretty I mean, that good is like yeah. pretty metal. That sounds legit I mean growing up uh in, I, I was born in 70 so like you know as I you know started watching tv and stuff like the six million dollar man you know there were like big foot was a big deal yeah back then. he was yeah. kind of a character that on was there. played by Andre the Giant it was yes oh wow oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah that's right I saw that documentary yeah and he was in that yeah, yeah. so uh oh shit 
You know, there was like I wanted to believe in that stuff. De- devil worshiping was a thing because like of, of music. You <laughs> yeah. know, was like, like I remember my mom telling me that I could not listen to Black Sabbath because oh, yeah. wow. just the name of the band just was obviously <laughs> right, right. about you know devil worshiping and you know and just as a kid like those are the things that you're you're being shaped to like fear or be interested in or you know have your curiosity peaked. Why? And why so was true. why was Bigfoot so big in the seventies? We should I needed to we need to devote like a whole episode of this. Seventies like Bigfoot to the uh, <laughs> to the name of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. I'm surprised you know, episode we, one wasn't we about Bigfoot. An episode about Bigfoot. At some Funny point. enough, it was. <laughs> no, but like, why was that? I wonder why Bigfoot was so popular in, right, in, pop, culture. in pop culture at that time. Like, remember was, that show In Search of, yes. hosted by oh, Leonard yes. Nimoy? Okay, so that, that was, was the, probably why. I think that was one of the most famous episodes of that. Yeah, hosted by Leonard Nimoy, and that mm-hmm. was like the quintessential episode because. They replayed the uh, the Gimlin Patterson footage, which is still some of the best videographic evidence, I think, as far as any like cryptid or paranormal. Is that the walking and, and the yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. And it's the female <laughs> with the, Sasquatch with the, uh, with the pendulous breasts. There we go. There, yeah. there it is. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we just like to talk about <laughs> big food. All your fans just <laughs> do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I only mention that because it was such a strange aspect to the sighting of the creature. Like, I mean, most people, if you think they were going to hoax something, they wouldn't add um, yes. pendulous breasts. Right. <laughs> right. So, uh, but anyway. I don't I, know. I think it gives it some credibility. Yeah, exactly. I do too. I absolutely do too. And that that was really what kicked off my, like, you know, <laughs> Bigfoot thing. I was like, I, I as far as I was concerned, I was like, I was looking and seeing something that was... That was strange and that, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't be explained. So Right, right. Or like oh, the UFO stuff that would be on that show was also interesting. Oh, Very interesting. Yeah. That stuff still, I think at the end of the day, and, you know, we're a year, almost, a year and some change in this podcast, I think UFOs, more than anything else, creep me out Without still. Without a doubt. Most. That scares me the most. Well, because I think just in terms of, of sighting-wise, even though the Bigfoot sightings have been reported in all 50 states and every province of Canada, the numbers don't even amount to right. the actual sightings that people see of unidentified aerial right. phenomena in the sky. And those, if you think about it, are just the actual reported sightings. I mean, a good majority, I would say 80 to 90% go unreported, unclaimed. And so when you think about that, the numbers go into the astronomical realms of people who are, you know, seeing things in the sky that really can't be explained um, by simply stars or air balloons or, you know, swamp gas, um, swamp gas you know. Swamp gas. Uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, swamp gas, no, speaking of that kind of unexplained <laughs> stuff, uh, my brother and I, uh, Law and I, were going cross country, and we stopped off in Marfa, Texas. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. and there's the mystery the lights, lights. Uh-huh. and we saw them. Yeah, what? you saw them. Well, we there saw you the go. Lights. Yeah, I was just there. I didn't see them. You didn't see them. No. So what, wait, tell us a little bit more. Like an ob- did you go to that observation yeah, deck? Yeah. So we have we haven't actually talked yet much about the mystery lights, Marfa mystery lights. So give us the whole. Well, it looks like so you're looking. It's flat. The land there, it's flat. And you're looking out, and it only happens at dusk. Mm-hmm. And we're waiting. We're waiting, and then. You just hear like a murmur, like you hear people go, oh, oh, yeah, there they are. And you look, and we saw it was, it was just like, it looked like a flashlight. Wow. And if it made me think, this is the biggest hoax in the world. It's some it, dude out it's there. It's some dude out there with a flashlight. <laughs> but it, every night, Derek hit it. <laughs> it's Riley's doppelganger. Yeah. It just seems so obvious. But it moves mm-hmm. and then it divided into two. Oh, yeah. And then it disappeared. 
And then we were like, whoa, well, that was pretty cool. But that obviously, there was a couple kids that yeah. they pay to go out there. <laughs> right, right. And then, you know, you read up on it and they're like, you know, they've obviously, they're like, we're not stupid. We've gone out there to see, to investigate, and it's not someone out there. What What's it, out there? Is it a tree line or is it just it's, horizon? It's it's just like um like scrub. Yeah. Pond, like bushes and Kinda stuff. Kind of deserty. Yeah, deserty. Yeah. How and far in the distance are you seeing You them? can see it's pretty flat. So you, you can see kind of. Far. What is you can see far. What's it? Yeah. 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 I think so, it's just like a long flat. Yeah, it's a long stretch. Where, yeah. where are they are they on the horizon yeah, line? Yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're okay. kind of like right So they're in far away. Vision. They seem close though. Okay. That's the thing. They seem close. And so we asked this guy and uh you, you know, we're like, um, that was cool. And he's like, usually they do different things. And yeah. we're like, oh, he's like seen them before, this guy that we were talking to. Wow. That's like, cool. Yeah, they could like go way up in the sky or, come yeah. down or do different things, whatever. Well, that's the thing. When you're looking at something that, that sort of lobs around in the air, stops, goes back another direction, moves at 90 degree angles. I mean, you know, it kind of, you're like, well, that's not the, the operating under the laws of physics. So or- what is it? Then they're saying it's some kind of like reflection or they don't know. That, well, I think it's part of the anomalous phenomena that, that happens all throughout the country. You know, I mean, they are um, quite notorious as being part of, you know, not they're not so much as UFO sightings, but the new the new word everybody throws around is unidentified aerial phenomena. So but, yeah, the Marfa lights haven't been as far as I know, they haven't been explained. proven to be a hoax or they haven't been properly, properly explained. So they, they remain a mystery. They, I feel like it's something natural right I, uh, it yeah. very possibly yeah. could be yeah. yeah well there's yeah i mean i those that type of stuff that that feels more like orb territory than like mm-hmm. flying saucer territory that it is but what are the glowing orbs of light like what are they are they some sort of like natural plasma transient energy like, <laughs> what is it <laughs> Cool, but, uh, cool word I mean, time. You know, like, <laughs> but if, if, you know, if we were looking at this from the paranormal investigator point of view, like someone like, you know, John Keel from the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s, like, it, it's, it, it, you know, a lot of times he's happened in areas of like high activity for paranormal stuff. So maybe there's something about yeah. where Marfa, Texas is placed on the map. Maybe there's some ley lines running through there. Maybe there's some, uh, uh, the veil is thinner between here and the, and the other side. Um, Who knows? Orbs are notorious know. for for being around crop circles and all types of poltergeist activity, and they're even related to you know uh, the UFO phenomena. So orbs seem to be this whole separate classification of of thing and uh i don't know what it is but they they seem to be everybody who describes them say they seem to be under some sort of intelligent control um not just like you know just some sort of natural phenomena but they seem to you know have some sort of operator behind is it it, is it possible is it an intelligence that they contain or is it like there's like an alien sitting somewhere with a remote control <laughs> like watch I, this yeah, yeah right yeah, i will split it in two yeah. <laughs> dummies oh my god i mean because that just feels like like to me that shit sounds like fairies you know mm. what i mean that sounds like fairy folklore like it kind of seems like lights, that you know mm-hmm. yeah what they are I, I i tend to agree that it's natural but then again if science can come up with an explanation for it and it's yeah. it seems supernatural to us now but it's it's got to be there has to be a natural explanation for it regardless right whether it's you know it, i did, don't know did you, you see think? that quote i uh 
I tweeted. I was reading Whitley Stryber's second book after Communion. Are you familiar with Whitley Stryber? He wrote that seminal book in the 80s, Communion, with the picture of the gray alien on the sure. cover. It became a New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. It was his abduction phenomenon. And I read the it. Film, the, uh, did you read it? Yeah, I read it in like just oh, wow. while we were shooting uh, Race to Witch Mountain because you know my character was you know this government guy who... Yeah. You know, oh, no so way. I just wanted to do, read He's, something. Oh, that's he awesome. He was in a film about, you know... Uh, it's the Disney remake of the original, but it's about aliens. Yeah. And oh, UFOs. right. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. I want to talk about that in a second. So Yeah. Well, so I read his follow-up to that book, which is called Transformations. And uh, it basically takes place right after, you know, where Communion leaves off. And towards the end of the book, he, you know, he kind of surmises whatever the visitors are. And he called them the visitors. He didn't like using the right. term alien. Um, whatever the visitors are, I suspect that they have been responsible for much paranormal phenomena, ranging from the appearance of gods, angels, fairies, ghosts, and miraculous beings to landing of UFOs in the backyards of America. So, you know, he wasn't the only one to sort of connect the dots. I mean, between him and Valet and Keel, they all sort of seem to think that this, everything, in a way, could perhaps be connected to some sort of intelligence that seemed to be operating here on planet earth and under the guise of fairies and angels and gods and demons um, throughout history and it would change through people's own subjective manner um, however they were you know um, conditioned to view conditioned to view these things through their culture through their society and uh, and this thing sort of um, moves through culture and it changes and it adapts and it transforms and and today it seems to be taking on the uh, the look and the appearance of, you know, four feet tall gray aliens with almond black almond eyes, you know. Wow, interesting. Strange. He was uh, – Whitley was uh, in the movie. Well, he, I think he was. I think he did a, a, a partial – Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a little cameo. Yeah, um, really fascinating stuff. It, yeah, what did, it, what did it you, really is. What did you take away from that? Like Reading the book? Yeah. Oh man, it was just really well written. It's a good story. Uh, it's crazy. It's, uh, it's insane. Yeah, it just it 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 kind of put some imagery in my head. You know, like mm-hmm. so when you wake up in the middle of the night and it's dark in your room, you're like, is there someone in this oh room? Oh my god! Yeah. You know, you think of his book, you're like, oh man. Yeah, I'm always checking for gray aliens standing <laughs> near my standing in the chat. Like, I, it's the first thing I think about when I'm like wake up. I'm like, was there an alien? In here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it's been that way since I was a little kid. No, but... his, his bedroom account. Accounts are are none less than terrifying. They yeah. really are. Believe me, I have lots of terrifying bedroom <laughs> accounts. It just makes me, it makes me think of you looking at like a picture of an alien. Like you're the last thing I think about, and the first thing I think about. Pretty much. Oh my uh, god. This this podcast is doing some real permanent damage to my brain <laughs> for sure. It's stuff I don't know. When you hear about that stuff, like you know. We've been hitting that nail hard, you know, this whole, like, it's all kind of, you know, connected. <laughs> right. Because, man. you know, the the you don't have to go too far into research until you hit this ocean yeah. of, like, of, high of, of, yeah, the high strangeness shit, where I think most people, they want to keep, like, let's keep Bigfoot in mm-hmm. the forest, let's yep. keep UFOs in outer space, yep. let's keep Loch Ness Monster, like, we. this is all separate phenomenon, but there really does seem to be some weirder... Well, because uh, I think what's happening is so many people in these fields, they really discount a lot of the evidence that they don't like, especially in ufology. They're like, well, uh, a UFO landed in my backyard and they opened up uh, the, the door and there was a being in there who 
offered to make me pancakes. Hmm. This is a real case. And, you know, so a lot of times, you know, when people research these, they'll leave that out. You know, right. they'll leave out the fact that an alien <laughs> offered to make you pancakes. Yeah, Keel talks about this in his books, and I'm reading all this that stuff now where he talks about, like, a lot of times the, – the, the, the big problem about trying to research all this stuff is that, first of all, only – a small percentage of these encounters get reported, mm-hmm. especially 50, 40, 50 years ago, because people are just like, I don't want to sound like a crazy person. And then of the stuff that does and the stuff that makes it into papers, like Bryce says, uh, a lot of these stranger details, specific are details are omitted because yeah. the papers or people be like, well, that's a little like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's have the UFO land in the yard, but let's leave out the pancakes. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to, but right. there's so much stuff that you're just like, this is weird, yeah. but this is kind of that's part of what it is. because of the vast pancake or, you know, powerful. Are you saying there's a pancake conspiracy time? <laughs> you know, I am. Flying saucers shaped like pancakes. Uh-huh. It makes sense. Uh, guys, I mean, obviously, yeah, duh. Um, but Crazy. yeah, I don't know. It's mm. weird. It's it's weird. So your mom was like no Black Sabbath. Yep. Was she pretty religious? Did you grow up pretty religious? Every Sunday, uh, we'd go to church. It was a uh, uh, Protestant faith, uh, and it was the local church was called uh, Union Congregational Church or something mm-hmm. like that. And I remember my parents sang in the choir. Mm. We would go to Sunday school. And then you get confirmed in the church, like around 13 years old. Yeah, the same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And same. as soon as I, so then the next Sunday after my confirmation, I said, so now, now what? I don't go to confirmation. I go to Sunday school. Now. No, you sit in the church. You know, you're a member of the church. And I was like, okay, do I have to go? And my mom was like, <laughs> no, yeah, I guess not. I was like, ah, I'm just going to uh, stay home. Then. Yeah. Right. I'm going to study at home. Yeah. Mom. I was like, homework. <laughs> and that was the same for me, except my dad was a lapsed Catholic who was just probably making blts on a sunday morning when we all had to go to church and i was like i remember both my sister and i like 16 when she hit 16 she's like i'm out my mom's like well i can't stop you that's what my mom you have a driver's license (laughs) i loved that i loved that my mom was that kind of person that was like well it is your choice so well i choose to sleep in yeah Yeah. Yeah. my mom didn't want me to listen to prince she said it was x-rated oh wow yeah (laughs) Still does. Oh. <laughs> that was a pretty exactly. good prince, right? Thank bad. you. Thank not you very bad. much. My yeah. mom just turned off this podcast. Oh, my God. Oh, remember, well. the, remember the playing records backwards thing? That seemed to be some sort of thing. Like, oh, if yeah. you played the record Have backwards. you ever done that with Zeppelin? With the... Uh, um, no. Uh, stair... Stair... <laughs> Stairway to Heaven. Uh, I almost said Highway. You're supposed Stairway to, to hell. play Pink Floyd's The Wall to Wizard of Oz or something. Yeah. Oh right? come on, oh, you've never done, done that. that. Dark never Side done of the Moon. That. No. It's like, like on the second right. Ryan Roar. 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 Yeah. 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 Let's do that tonight. Dude. My <laughs> uncle told me to do that oh, when really? I was like 15. He's like, smoke a little weed. That's a cool uncle. <laughs> he is a cool uncle. <laughs> Ronnie, well, here's what you want to do, man. Yeah. When does he get out of prison? If you time it perfectly, when Dorothy opens the door and it goes from black and white to color, is Suppose if you time it perfectly, uh, what there's a sp- specific song that starts yeah. right in that Wild. moment. Oh, God, I, remember which I can't one remember which That'd one. That'd be a good is. movie but night. Yeah, some, it, it somebody works. listening right now is screaming. screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, every episode. Right. It's people just screaming yeah. in their That's cars. That's a trip, man. This is a podcast for angry people. Dark side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to do some dark side. Dude, we should do it for Bigfoot Movie Club. Let's just do. Uh, Let's do it. Uh, dark side on the moon. Um, I remember we rewind uh, playing backwards uh, the Beatles song that they. They recorded it backwards, so you play it so that you get yeah. it full. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, they were, they were ahead too. of their time. They were. Yeah. 
But yeah, my mom, uh, love my mom, sweet lady. But yeah, she was definitely like fearful of, you know, things like that, like whatever that Black Sabbath or yeah. what was another one that was like Metallica, Megadeth. Yeah, anything like that. She was just like, no, yeah, no, no. you're not going to be listening to that. Yeah. No, and I was like, oh, I got to listen to that. <laughs> I remember <laughs> it just makes it cooler. I remember this kid in eighth grade. He had like long blonde hair and he wore like this metallica shirt and i remember just feeling fear <laughs> like, yeah. i didn't know what it was i didn't know what a metallica mm-hmm. was but i was like i knew that it was like represented something scary and unknown it was like yeah. if you encountered venom in real life yeah. you're like oh, this guy's clearly a yeah. bad guy right totally <laughs> totally He's yeah. dressed in black <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. I remember one time, like watching a like there was like some like on the news there was like a like this is the dissection of like horror films on on kids, and I was like watching it like sort of academically, and I was like, "Mom, I just watched a really interesting segment on horror films and how it affects kids." She goes, "Well, you're still not watching it." <laughs> I, was like, mm-hmm. I was too scared to do it anyway, and clearly could not smart your mom. I know this is very true. Okay. <laughs> Uh, now it's time for a game we like to call Bullshit or Believe It. Yay. Rapid fire. Okay. And what we do is I go down a list of things, mm-hmm. and you're going to say, believe well, it, like it if you believe in it. Bullshit right. if you don't. Okay. On your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Believe in it. UFOs. Believe in it. Bigfoot. Don't believe in it. Bullshit. Yes. What do I say? Bullshit? Bullshit. Sorry. Bullshit. Bull- bullshit or believe it. Got it. <laughs> you can cut in no out of that. Yeah. He's got it. Now I got it. All right. Okay. We'll see. I thought you were an actor who knew how to take direction. Here we go. Angels. Uh, bullshit. Gnomes. Bullshit. Fairies. Bullshit. Unicorns. Bullshit. Loch Ness monster. Bullshit. Alien greys. Alien what? Greys. The gray skinned aliens. Alien like the like the one on commu- the ones in communion. Uh. Bullshit. Parallel universes. Believe it. Shapeshifters. Bullshit. Mermaids. Bullshit. Heaven. Heaven? Bullshit. Hell. <laughs> Bullshit. Dragons. Bullshit. Yeti. <laughs> Bullshit. Elves. Bullshit. ESP. Believe it. Chupacabra. Bullshit. De- <laughs> Demons. Bullshit. Atlantis. Bullshit. Life on other planets. Believe it. World peace. Oh. I want to believe it. <laughs> Peace in the multiverse. <laughs> believe it. <laughs> so, like, really? Well, I'm glad I brought in a ghost story today. <laughs> yeah. 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 So ESP, you, you, have, you, you have no evidence of? Is there anything you've experienced that makes you think ESP is real? Um, No. <laughs> no, no. I just think uh, it would be cool to have it. So maybe I just want to believe that it's that's real. cool. Totally, well, we all want to be X. I was going to say, there's some great um, scientific data that backs up stuff like ESP and remote viewing done by the CIA and guys like Russell Targ. And who... we all should believe the CIA. No, yeah, but some, if you start to like research some of their um, remote viewing experiments, they are uncanny in their ability to like uh, corroborate. Um, you know, people who go into these remote viewing sessions and what people see, um, like in far off places. I mean, it is it is wild. Did, did you ever read John Ronson's "The Men Who Stare at Goats"? Yeah, no, I, think I there's a read lot it. of this I've, stuff I've in seen, that. I've need, seen the film. I've read yeah. a bunch of his other books. I need to read that one. Yeah, this is I what mean, I think. I think that the brain is just vastly more powerful than we give it. You know, than we really understand. I mean, we know that it's powerful. We have no idea what it's capable of doing. It's, right. it's this brilliant thing. In yeah, our, and and. What happens is 
it starts working without us really knowing it. And when people say things to you like, you know, I just have a good feeling about this thing. I really, and you know, you, we all know people who have predicted stuff or they've just had a feeling and da da da. And you're like, and you probably even have friends who are like, no, I, I know stuff, mm-hmm. right? They'll tell you the birth, the, the sex of your child before it's born and all this stuff. To a degree, I think our brains are super tuned in, mm-hmm. and every once in a while, they do make "quote unquote" predictions, mm-hmm. just based on just tons of just odds. And well, and think about all this, yeah, and subliminal information that we're getting that we may not totally. Also, like, how many times do we have emotional? Like, you you know, you talk about trusting your gut. There's times where you can a person can walk into a room and you can just sense emotionally where they're at you know what i mean sometimes you'd be like hey what's going on what's wrong? and that's not being psychic that's just being tuned in. but i think but sometimes what you're saying- you do feel psychic whereas you're like i knew that was gonna happen. i knew mm. that was gonna happen right, right, specifically right, right. that and it did what the hell right, right? so i think well i'm trying to back you up and be like maybe your brain has that sensory perception the way that sometimes your like heart or your gut kind of feels like oh someone's not you know your brain's tuning into that stuff yeah too. i don't feel like i have that a ton but I every once in a while it's happened to me where I I feel like I saw something coming and it did and it wasn't mm. just like a real obvious thing it was like a really specific thing is right. that what happened yeah, to you yeah 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 for sure well, oh sure you know more more <clears throat> more so than a predictive quality uh, people seem to some I mean some of these great seers and prophets like take for example Nostradamus they seem to be able to tap into some sort of field that can they can actually see dates and and places and you know specific events that one couldn't just you know chalk up to uh you know a, a mere guessing you know right. it, it does leave it does leave one to wonder like are they seeing some sort of um elapsed time that's already taken place are they able to you know um see into some other dimension that where the future is really you know the future and the past don't exist everything really is just the present moment and maybe as opposed to extending like a river backwards and forwards it really just takes place along a a singularity that one can kind of tap into per se i i don't know but it, it definitely it's definitely um interesting it's yeah. definitely possible and it's definitely possible that individuals because we're all completely different that there are probably certain individuals who just have heightened senses yeah. and can probably figure this stuff out yeah right? like some people can kick a football some people can see the future yeah. Yeah, well, he got hopped up on nutmeg right. to do it. Most he, people can kick a football. <laughs> I can. You mean kick it well? Or yeah. kick it. I mean, like get paid to kick a football. Well, there's only a few. The greatest job ever. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm but, a football kicker. But when you have a bad day, it's a bad day. Yeah, that really. Yeah. That's true. If you like lose the Super <laughs> Bowl because you missed, it's, a it's kick. literally like they invented the expression. You have one job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's time for high strange. Yay. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We recorded one just in his den sharing a mic, 
And the week after that, I came here to do a podcast that Amazon had hired Jen Kirkman to do. Mm -hmm. And I walked in here, and I met Riley, and I looked around. I was like, hey, do you do podcasts? He's like, no, man, but I want to. And I was like, I got a podcast to pitch you. And he's like, dude, let's do it. So it just kind of came together. Yes, this is history. That's pretty genius. He fit right in like a puzzle piece because he's been abducted and he's into the occult. Oh, he's done a lot. (laughs) Really? That was very casual the way you hang loose to being abducted. (laughs) Well, I've said that. We we still have to get him regressed, but uh, (laughs) but it's it's very likely. It was a casual abduction. Oh, got it, got it, got it. He just hitchhiked. It was was just like, got bros, bros getting abducted. That'd be a good series. Uh, <laughs> Bros right. getting abducted. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, today, uh, Bryce, you brought something in for us. What do you got? I did. Um, so I want to do something new and fun. Tom, I'm going to give you some lines. Oh, great. Uh, oh, we get dialogue. Yeah. I'm a you little can, you can, rusty. I no, you'll be great. You just feel out the. <laughs> feel do you need to go the... outside and work, look it over for five minutes and come back in when you're ready? No, no, you're going to be great. I want to read it cold. Yeah, yeah. Read it cold and, you know, just feel out the tone of the piece. And when I point to you, you'll do number one. And then point again, you'll do number two. And that's how we'll work. You're going to make him poop shit and, and piss pee. here? <laughs> yeah. Pooping and so, peeing. Oh my God. And peeing with that really got me. So it's that kind of scene. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Poo and pee. Still the best. <laughs> Comedy gold. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, at least you didn't say Dick Shaver again. Yeah. So. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> you did. That's a real guy. All right. <clears throat> the Oceans name. holds many mysteries. And maritime history... <laughs> Is full of tales of ghost ships like the Flying Dutchman and Mary Celeste, as well as tales of sea and serpents. And the Dutch oven. And the Dutch oven. <laughs> as well as tales of sea serpents, mermaids, and mermen with rock hard abs. And while... <laughs> Someone saw Aquaman over the weekend. <laughs> and while salty sailors have a way of embellishing their tales of high sea strangeness, this story I'm about to tell might even make Aquaman think twice before asking permission to come aboard. In June of 1947, Ships traveling in the Strait of Malacca, located between the coasts of Sumatra and Malaysia, received a shocking SOS message from a Dutch ship called the SS Orang Medan. After a series of SOSs were hailed in Morse code through the telegraph, a dire message was picked up as follows. All officers, including captain, are dead lying in chart room and bridge. Possible whole crew dead. This communication was followed by a burst of indecipherables. But what came next was as clear as it was ominous. I die. This cryptic proclamation was followed by a tomb-like silence. Nothing else was transmitted after this chilling conclusion. Two ships, both American, picked up the messages and felt compelled to investigate. With the help of British and Dutch listening posts, the coordinates of the vessel, thought to be transmitting, were triangulated. It was the Dutch freighter SS Orang Medan. An American merchant ship, the Silver Star, was sent the coordinates given the content of the distress calls. The captain of the Silver Star wasted no time in navigating to the new heading. Several hours later, the lookout on board the Silver Star spotted the stricken Orang Medan floating aimlessly in the calm waters of an eerie sea. Yet even as the rescue ship pulled alongside, no signs of life could be seen visually. As the merchant craft neared the ill-omened vessel, The crew noticed that there was no sign of life on the deck. The Americans attempted to hail the Dutch crew to no avail. That's when the captain of the Silver Star decided to assemble a boarding party. 
As they left the safe haven of the Silver Star, these unfortunate souls had no idea that they were about to walk into a living nightmare. The moment that the... <clears throat> The moment that the search party boarded, it was obvious that the messages were horribly accurate. The decks of the Orang Medan were littered with the corpses of the Dutch crew. The victims were found with wide-eyed horror, and their faces twisted into sheer terror, mouths agape, and arms trying to fight off something. Not even the ship's dog escaped the terror of whatever had taken no. place. The canine was discovered to be in mid-growl, snarling at the mysterious attacker. The captain was found, as one might have expected, on his bridge. The remainder of the bridge officers were found in the wheelhouse and chart room. Even stranger, the radio operator who presumably sent the distress call, was found at his station, finger on the telegraph. The engineering crew was also found at their stations with precisely the same expressions on their face. During the search efforts, the rescue party noticed several things that struck them as odd or strange. The local temperature outside was in excess of 100 degrees, but members of the search team felt an ominous chill emanating from inside the ship. Another oddity was the conditions of the victims. All of them had suffered, but none had any injuries to note of. They also seemed to be decaying quicker than they should be. The ship itself didn't appear to have suffered any damage. <clears throat> when the search party returned to the Silver Star, the decision to tow the Orang Medan for salvage was quickly taken. It was only when the ships were tethered together that smoke was discovered below deck, specifically the number four cargo hold. Within seconds of the tow rope being severed, the Orang Medan exploded with enough force to lift out of the water before sinking to the seabed. One might guess with a sigh of relief from the crew of the Silver Star. The first official mention of the incident was made by the United States Coast Guard in May of 1952. In addition to the witness testimony of the state of the crew themselves, the published account added that they were all found with. Their frozen faces upturned to the sun, staring as if in fear. The mouths were gaping open and the eyes staring. Creepy. One of the arguments cited... <laughs> yes, it is creepy. One of the arguments cited against Captain this... Captain Obvious ever, is <laughs> commanding this ship. <laughs> ...ever taking place was the registry of the Rangmadan. Officially speaking, it appears as though it never actually existed, although the Silver Star was a real vessel. However, um, but at the time the Orang Medan was supposed to have been floundering, the Silver Star was operating under another registration, the Santa Juana. The Graceline Shipping Company had bought rights to the ship and renamed it. In contrast, those that believe in the Orang Medan story insist the ship was registered in Sumatra. At the time, Sumatra was a Dutch colony that formed part of what was known as the Dutch East Indies in Indonesia. Orang means man, and Medan is the largest city of the island of Sumatra, hence the registered name. Orang Medan literally means man from Medan. However, there was a mysterious <laughs> book that showed up. Also sounds like a 1980s like pop hit, early like hip-hop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Song. Man from Medan. Yeah. Man mm -hmm. from Medan. Now, there was a professor, Theodore Seisdorfer, in Essen in Germany, who spent much of the last 50 years researching the story of the Orang Medan. Seisdorfer was the first to mention the names of the American ships that originally went in pursuit of the Orang Medan and refers anyone interested in their own research to a German booklet written in 1954. The author of this publication was a man called Otto Milk and seemingly knew a lot about the mysterious ship, <clears throat> not just the route, but the cargo it carried and the name of the captain. The book was called Das Tostiffen der Stusti, which simply translated means... Are you sure about that? <laughs> Pretty good. The Death Ship of the South Seas, and was established the date as June 1947. 
and is often rumored to have been authenticated by crewmen aboard the Silver Star. It was also this booklet that mentioned the cargo hold and what might have been stored inside. According to this booklet, the cargo holds contained potassium cyanide and nitroglycerin. If this is actually true, then it could explain why there are no official records anywhere. Certainly, having these combustible items on a rough sea is tantamount to negligence of the most severe kind. It could also explain the subsequent explosion shortly after the salvage attempt was made. Now, there are those who speculated that the ship was actually carrying a far more sinister and altogether more dangerous cargo. Biological weapons manufactured by Japanese scientists as the result of insidious experiments that even the Nazi regime would balk at could well have been smuggled out of Japan. Known as... Oh, I missed my pages in order. Known as Unit 731... (laughs) Michael, don't roll your eyes. The Den of Cannibals was designated as a secret cabal of scientists meant to create the most dangerous chemical and biological weapons to help establish Japanese supremacy. Unit 731 was formed sometime in 1932 by a Japanese bacteriologist called Shiro Ishii, who conducted terrible experiments during the Second World War that even I shudder to mention here. Is it feasible that Unit 731 was smuggled on a nondescript merchant vessel with a foreign crew to avoid drawing unwanted attention to what was taking place? If so, what went horribly wrong? And while many skeptics still disbelieve the case of the Orang Madan, if the ship was in fact carrying secret and dangerous materials, it would have certainly been prudent to keep its name off of official records. Now, maybe there's a more paranormal explanation. In 1953, Frank Edwards and Robert V. Hulse retold the basics of the legend for Fate magazine in his 1955 book, The Case for the UFO. Astronomer, author, and noted Philadelphia experiment researcher Morris K. Jessup hypothesized that the crew of the Orang Medan may have been attacked by extraterrestrials for reasons unknown. This vibes with me. (laughs) Other Fordian enthusiasts have theorized that the unlucky Dutch crew may have had a run-in with vengeful wraiths of the sea or a ghost ship full of surly, undead pirates. That's probably it. The dubious proof. (laughs) Ghost pirates. Which, when in doubt. When in doubt. Which supporters of the paranormal option use to confirm their theories, the evidence of a lack of natural cause for the deaths, as well as the purportedly petrified expressions etched onto the faces of the doomed sailors. Add to this the unnatural chill in the cargo hold and the assertion that some of the deceased sailors were reaching up towards the perhaps non-corporal assailants, leaving one to wonder if the crew of the SS Orang Medan had been scared to death. Perhaps most curious of all, however was that the ship was mentioned in a private letter years later by C.H. Mark, the assistant to the director of the CIA. The letter, which was declassified by the CIA only recently, was addressed to an unknown individual whose name remained redacted and is dated December 5, 1959. In the letter, Mark explains the events from the grisly discovery of the crew to the mysterious explosion followed by the statement. Also in A.D., Oh, wait, one right before that. I feel sure that the SS Orang Medan tragedy holds the answers to many of these airplane accidents and unsolved mysteries of the sea. That's right. Mark also <laughs> goes on to highlight what he called alarming passages in Old English Chronicles and talks about the sightings of huge fiery spheres rising from or disappearing into the sea by ship captains and crews <clears throat> that he states comes from within our planet. He then goes on to mention the strange aberration of things like ships 
spotted in the skies over Italy, adding, Also in AD uh, 1067, people saw a fire that flamed and burned fiercely in the sky. It came near the earth and for a little time brilliantly lit it up. Afterwards, it revolved, ascended on high, then descended into the sea. In several places, it burned woods and plains. Most chilling of all, however, is the question Mark poses to the unknown recipient. Do you think something from the unknown is involved? At the end of the letter, he then asked the enchanting sea. What terrifying secret does it hold? I feel sure that the SS Orangmadan tragedy also holds the answer to this secret. That's right. Great job, by the way, Tom. I mean, put that on my reel. (laughs) (laughs) So what exactly did Mark mean by something from the unknown being involved? What secret was he referring to? And why did he place both in quotation marks? Why was the assistant to the director of the CIA concerned by a simple ghost ship story? And who was this mysterious recipient the CIA kept classified? If the Orang Medan was nothing more than a tall sea tail, then why was the most powerful intelligent agency in the world interested in the story? We're going to ask our guest, Sir Tom Everett Scott. What the I don't hell think he's earned that? that title. <laughs> Did I just get knighted? Yeah, you just, you got, just got knighted. I just thought it sounded better. It sounds great. Yeah. I do like it. It does what? have a nice ring. <laughs> it does have a nice uh, ring. What um, the hell was that? I don't know. Uh, that's an. Int- that's the interesting part of it, right? Is that letter? Yeah, the CIA. Uh, yeah, you know, being so interested in this one if one thing. That letter is a real document. It is. I found it on their CIA website. You did? Mm-hmm. I did. If that's a real CIA website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who was in, like, who? CIA.com. Who, who was president in 1959? Was oh, that's I mean, a great question. Was that Eisenhower? Hoover? Say, I think that's Eisenhower. No, Hoover was never president. Hoover. Never mind. He was, uh, Herbert Hoover was president, was but it wasn't yeah. in 1959. Truman. I, I would think Truman was. No, it was Eisenhower. In Eisenhower. Eisenhower, 59? Yeah. I think oh, so. Somewhere like that. Okay. Yeah, boy. Okay, yeah. Um,. Anyway, that's it's the story of the uh, SS Orang Medan. Yeah, he was president in 1959. So mm. that is like a, uh, first of all, it reminded me of a Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just don't like all the like frozen in fear face stuff. That stuff's scary. Yeah, well, that I was, was thinking thing. like radiation or chemical, mm-hmm. something that may yeah. have contorted the muscles in everyone's faces to be like, well, you know. That's mm. that... Uh, uh, that other explanation of the uh, the Japanese bacteriologist Shiro Itso. Um, yeah, you know. I mean, I don't know about that, but I definitely this made me feel like maybe there was some kind of weapon on board, web chemical, yeah, chemical weapon or radi- some some radiation yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What's strange? If it's though true, is- I mean, because there's <clears> also <throat> the idea that maybe none of this ever happened, but that that the, if if the CIA documents are real, then yeah. Well, yeah, it's Scary not, the, the ship isn't found in the, the Lloyd's ship of registry, um, but that would make sense if they were carrying some sort of, you know, biological weapon that, uh, you know, that went against the Geneva Convention's treaty. So, I mean, obviously, if they were operating under some co- kind of, you know. I don't like this story, I got to tell you. Yeah, but it's weird. It's strange. And then the Coast Guard Freaky. in their pamphlet uh, reveals that they were all facing towards the sun, I don't which like is that a part. strange thing. I mean, there was nobody lying on their stomach or on their side as it was, it was just everybody was. I don't like that. You know? No, no, no. Um, Maybe something strange. made them all hallucinate. and Yeah. I don't know. Maybe something, and then it then it paralyzed them. Yeah, I mean, it could yeah, have been, it feels like a nerve agent. It could have been like the weapon itself that killed them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do. It did make me think when you're telling the story, and that it's mentioned in that letter. 
the idea of of like maybe there is or maybe it wasn't the letter but in in your presentation that there maybe there is just like certain parts of the ocean you go through and it's just haunted and there's like a <laughs> go ocean fucking spirit that's like I'm going to yeah. fuck you guys up. Well, between that strait of Malacca, that's one of the busiest shipping um passages in the mm. world and and they say that an average of like you know three ships go down almost every couple years so yeah i like the implication pretty... that some of these mysterious disappearances of ships and all this stuff that there might be some phenomenon that maybe this was an evidence of like hey you guys happen to catch this before it disappeared for good that, yeah. that ra those radio messages are so freaky dude. yeah i don't this i don't like this story yeah i mean it's a great story you did a great job <coughs> yeah. I, I don't like it yeah no it's a little creepy <laughs> that's something that i definitely wouldn't rule out um going back to the believer to bullshit game is like big ass things in the ocean that are you know what I mean we have we seen everything that's down there no no, no. I've often <laughs> said that you know we've explored more surface area of the moon's surface than the the, the yeah. depths of the ocean floors which is crazy to think about but I don't yeah. like it yeah well, Tom, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for so having me. so great having yeah, you man, here. That was awesome. Yeah, thank um, you. Do you have, and Bryce, great job. And thank Riley, you. as always, fantastic job on the music. Thanks, guys. Uh, Michael, sweet. You I was, did a really good job, too. I was too. just listening. <laughs> yeah. I didn't interrupt as much as you I liked to. You did a really good job of not interrupting. I did a good job of not interrupting, okay? <laughs> I'm trying to turn a new leaf. <laughs> There's a couple times I wanted to say some things, and I just, I didn't. Good I for you. Um, Tom. You shouldn't hold that in. You should not hold that in. Where do, that's what Bryce is about to say to you before he commands you to go one or two. Um, <laughs> where can where can people find you on social media? Do you have anything coming up you want to plug? Anything for the listeners at home? Um, sure. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Tom E. Scott or on Instagram at the Tom Everett Scott. And... I'm on a show called I'm Sorry, which is on True TV. Second season's airing now on Wednesday nights. Uh, the whole first season's on Netflix, though. It's great. I awesome. love it. You're very funny in it. It's Thank a great you. show. Very funny show. Thank you. Check it out. Definitely yes. check it out. Yes. You, you, uh, you, you would love it. <laughs> Good guy. <laughs> right. it, it, you love it. <laughs> it really fits into uh, the, 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 the dad in Hollywood, mom, dad, Hollywood kind of vibe with the kid oh, you know great. what i mean you're what's your daughter like eight or nine years yeah, old and yeah. like you're just, you're gonna be like oh my god this is i've lived this oh my god i gotta check it yeah, out yeah yeah yeah. so i'm sorry very funny uh andrea savage wrote it and stars in it and directs it and she's produces great. it she's a yeah. genius so starring you sir awesome. Tom riding on her coattails <laughs> yeah yeah great check it out. awesome um we have a big announcement to make guys we're doing uh 2019 we're doing our very first live show oh wow um, yeah we can announce this june huh? 2nd saturday at contact in the desert in indian wells <laughs> Uh, it's a huge it's UFO legit. weekend. The biggest. Uh, it says it's the Woodstock of UFO conferences. And we somehow <laughs> stumbled into doing a live podcast for an audience of who knows how many, probably, at least hopefully more than five. Um, <laughs> totally. It will be at 2 p.m. June 2nd in uh, at Contact in the Desert. Um, we'll be in the Enterprise Room. So if you're coming, uh, get your tickets or and, and make sure that you come see our panel. We will have, an, as as of yet, unannounced special guest uh, who will be joining us. Um, but we're super excited to put together yeah. uh, a show for you guys. It'll be our first live show. It's going to yeah. be awesome. Awesome. That'd be great. Congrats. So yeah, and uh, in the meantime, uh, 
you know, uh, follow us on all the social meds, and please check out iTunes, rate and review us, please. And if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com. And uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, guys, I love this. I yeah. love, thank you for coming. John, Seriously, it's been thanks, so good John, to see too. you again. So good. Uh, good to see you guys. Until next week. I don't know. Later. <laughs> don't answer any distress calls in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs>